I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Hello. Oh, man. It has been, it, it has been fun. It, is, it has been know, absolutely fun. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe how many, you know, tales we've gotten and how many stories you all are and, and how many, you know, positive reviews and the comments on YouTube's. We're, we, we love you all so much. Oh, my gosh. This is. We love you, travelers. And we can't yes. wait to to meet you at the events we're going to be at, which we'll be posting online. So you can go to Erie Travels and see where you're going to be able to meet the uh, awesome hosts of this wonderful podcast. Yes, yes. And 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 then you can also uh, beat us up over the vampire episode and the... the oh, the... hey, 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 <laughs> listen, I have seen those comments. And right now, to everyone who's commented on that, I disagree. I disagree really? with you. I'm not doing another vampire episode. You can come meet me in person. We can go out by the bite rack at 3 p.m. like we did in elementary school and uh, call this like 10-year-olds. <laughs> I was so pleased with some of those comments. And, I uh, know you were. because yes, because they were in my corner. I was very happy. But some were in yours. Some stood up for you. So, yeah. you know, it, it it is what it is. It is. It is. But... Yeah. Considering that was our longest episode, I mean, we went way over on that, but we were having way too much fun. So that's true. That's true. Well, it was a very fun episode, and we're glad everybody kind of came on that journey with us. And you know, it's a heated topic. I get it. Yeah. I get it that I you cannot it. be wrong yeah. when I'm right. I understand yep. that audience, but and to those three people who said I was right about Bureau 13's Vampire X, thank you. So oh my gosh, <laughs> the three people who ever played that game. No, just kidding. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, we have a, a listener. Stale. Oh, yes, yes. This is this is one that was sent to us over uh the Facebook. And um, and we were very happy to get this. Uh again, <laughs> he did not yes. <laughs> how old are you? I'm old, you know. I'm allowed to say these things, right? You know, it's uh and he did not want his name, you know, spoken, but uh and it's uh it's not his tail, it's his his grandpa's tail. So, you know, but then he kind of has his part to it. So I, 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 and this is a little long, folks. So, you know, strap in, we'll get to our regular episode in a bit, but I think you, we had to share this one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. So keep in mind, guys, we do not edit these. And I, nope. Besides taking out names, if somebody says not to read the name, but other than that, we are reading it as it is sent to us. So this is the story of the gentle giant of Turkey Creek. My grandpa was a Vietnam veteran and a Purple Heart recipient, along with being a God-fearing man. He was one who, no matter how badly it stung, he told you the truth. Well, thank your grandfather for his service. I love that. We appreciate yep. it. I was sitting in the living room watching cartoons as a kid. Uh, kid uh, sorry, as kids do, when a commercial came on about a Bigfoot documentary. Of course, he said it was a fake, but he also said, look here, Junior, them creatures are real. Never doubt that, but they aren't. But always remember the knowledge comes with a price and the knowledge of them means no one will ever believe you. Well, that's chilling to tell. Like a child. That. Okay, so let me tell you something you'll never believe. When I first came home, I went camping in Turkey Creek and spent a few days there. Do we know where Turkey Creek is? Um, I didn't do enough. I didn't actually, because I wanted to read this online. So I'll Google it up and see if I can Okay, you out Google it. I'm going to keep reading. Yep, yep. It would be good. Okay. Now I had done this many times since I was a kid, but this time was different. About the second day in, and I kept smelling something. Of course, two days on the woods, I thought it was myself and just ignored it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. Well, about an hour before the sun started to go down, I noticed back behind the tree line, a tall man standing close to a tree. Well, I'm not much for people. So I told him if he came close, he wouldn't like what comes next and went back to stoking my fire. 
Well, I looked up again and to my amazement, the man was now standing at the edge of the tree line. And this time I could see him clearly. And he wasn't a man, but a creature that was nine foot to the shoulder by my guess, jet black in color, but the face I'll never forget, just like mine and yours. I said to myself, this isn't something I should take lightly now. Well, I moved closer to my rifle and just watched it and it watched me. It looked to its left and then turned away from me heading back into the woods. Well, I decided to stay out a bit longer and cook up some food and then turn in for the night. This is a brave soul, Mark. No, I was going to say, I, I, I would have been done the story, but yep, wow. Yep. A nine foot tall giant standing anywhere near me. I'm not like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cook some food and then hit the head. Okay. And as we're taking this quick break, there are two Turkey Creek trails, one in Florida and one in Texas. I'm going to assume this is the Texas one. Okay. 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 So, um, so let's see. Um, Back to where I was. I just, okay. Okay. Well, while I was cooking, I decided that maybe I was in this creature's territory and that I better let it know I'm not dangerous to it. So I fixed up two bowls of soup and left. What? I said, very smart. Two bowls of soup. Very smart. Yeah. Fixed up two bowls of soup and left one sitting on a stump just near camp and then went back and went to my tent. Well, later that night, I heard something outside my tent, and it was heavy, so I could feel every time it stepped, so I laid my head back down and prayed. Luckily enough, it went away in time and left me be. When the sun came up, I decided after a night of not sleeping, I should pack my gear and leave. Well, as I am grabbing my gear, I noticed the same stump I left the bowl was a small arrowhead, no doubt from the time when Native Americans lived here in this stretch of land. Awesome. Oh, wow. Very... I grabbed it, looked it over a few times, and placed it in my pocket. Well, every year since, I've gone back to that very spot up in the Western Trail, just a mile short of a waterfall, and I cooked the same soup I did that night, and I camp only one night, but I'm sure to leave a bowl out for my friend. Sadly, my grandpa passed away a few years later and left with me only the only thing, the story of the gentle giant. Well, about the time I turned 19, I decided I wanted to go camping, but not just any old campground or forest, but to the Western trail, just a mile short of the waterfall. I stayed for one night and cooked the same soup, but made sure to leave one bowl for my grandpa's old friend. And before I went to bed at night, I looked into the woods and said, I'm sorry, but grandpa's gone now. And I'm sure you'll meet again as he never could stay away from the woods. Oh, oh. that just give me chills and little, little yep. cries. Oh. Oh. When I woke up the next morning, I looked over to the stump and the bowl was still there. Well, I didn't really believe my grandpa's story at the time due to being an ignorant teenager. Though when I went to grab the bowl, I noticed something had been something. It had been emptied in the inside of an inside a rock from the river was placed directly in the center. I smiled and said to myself, you always were just too honest old man and picked up the rock and looked over a few times and placed it in my pocket. I looked over into the wood line one good final time and I lifted the bowl up and poured what was left of the soup into the bowl saying this was my grandpa's portion. It's only fair that you should have it. I turned to head down the trail back to my truck while climbing inside. I noticed a white figure that had been following me for a good two miles. Well, I simply continued climbing to my truck and said, truck and said, I seen him, grandpa, just like you said. Oh, that's so nice. Oh my God. My heart is so huge right now. Yep. So I it sure... is Arizona. Arizona. Sorry. Oh yeah. No, it says it at the bottom. Arizona. Okay. okay. I share this with you guys in the hope to bring you a story of another Bigfoot and to show though, show that though many 
fear these creatures. There is no need to, while some yes are known to be aggressive towards those in their territory, but many are simply trying to live in peace and we should respect them in their territory. And remember, we aren't the only ones in the woods as we should with all animals. That, and well, I was told this story on the 11th of March when I was 10 years old. I miss you, old man. And I'm sure to teach my youngins the story of the gentle giant of Turkey Creek, Arizona. I hope you guys enjoy this story from another part of the country. P.S. If I find the rock, I'll send you a picture. I just moved, so I'm still unpacking things. Aww. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Yes. Oh, all the feels. I love this story so much. Yes, oh my please gosh. send us the picture of the rock. Yes, yes. We yes. would love to see the rock. And... Oh my gosh. And that is definitely common with these Bigfoot encounters where if you leave an offering, they give you an offering back. That's why they were called the old man of the woods or the gentle giant. That's um, yeah, this is, this is not an uncommon story. You are not alone with this. Your old man definitely told you the truth. He told you the truth. And here's the thing. And we talked about this on the show before, whatever your interest in seeing these creatures or proving to yourself or confirming things, please be respectful. This, this gentleman was very respectful of these creatures and be respectful. If you're out in the woods of any of the creatures, because you're going into their territory. So please, please do that. We can't stress that enough that if you're going there and then if you feel unsafe or you're afraid, leave, that is always an option you have leave. So you don't have to be in their space in their territory that that's what i have to say about that but i love that story so much oh please keep sending them to us that makes me very very happy that made my heart swell that's so. yeah that was amazing oh my gosh that's that's what we do this for it's getting yes. stories like this wow yes. that's yes more of that please <laughs> yes please we'll take I'll grab the soup and say those. i would like some more i love that you love you know, you gave him grandpa's portion too that's uh, oh that was oh god that's icing so sweet. icing on the and, cake oh you know what you should share that soup recipe with us oh yeah yeah i wonder mind. yeah we'd, we'd love to know and i'm sure the other you know people could leave it up for their gentle giants of the woods i was gonna say if book bigfoot seems to like it let's let's provide it that seems like a great plan yeah yeah, yeah yeah i mean this would this would be uh um you know that would be good that's yeah it's um it's I crazy agree. and you know i love it you know and you know and bigfoot researchers i i i know we have a couple fans uh that are in the field so if you guys know any other stories in that area reach out to us please uh we're going to be having a couple on soon uh to interview oh, yeah. so i'm i'm excited and, I know uh, you were excited because a certain Bigfoot person made a comment that boasted your side of the entire previous. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you, Stacy Brown from Finding Bigfoot. Yes. Thank you for uh, joining us. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're, you're the best. <laughs> and, uh, Mark completely nerded out, but I disagree with your assessment of this situation. <laughs> so. That's how we're doing that. Um, that's 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 how we'll play it. Okay, I I, I see where we're going here. So. That's how we're playing this. But oh, but man. our episode today. Let's talk about our episode today. Yeah, this is one I've been wanting to do for you know a a time. Right. This is this is one. This is a subject that has fascinated me for a while, and I was not going to do this one. I actually we were going to go a different direction. Uh, early, but this this one kind of called to me because something came up and brought this back to my attention, and so I have to. We're gonna travel in time, so we're gonna. You I know, just we, I need to know though whether it what came to your attention was the Paranormality magazine article about Cocaine Cat. Is that where we're going with this? No, but we should save that for the end, unless you want to start with that. Well. <laughs> I just wasn't sure where we were going with it. No, no, I, no. We're we're gonna take a trip to Philadelphia. Oh, so, okay. Let's go to Philadelphia. I'll talk okay. about cocaine cat at the end. Yeah, we'll talk about cocaine cat at the end because that's in Cincinnati Zoo. So or uh, Cleveland Zoo. I'm not sure now, but anyway, cocaine cat's coming. Those people thought cocaine bear was the end. It's just the beginning. So all right, hold on to your tails. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But we've got this is one. <laughs> this goes along with our Mandela effect. 
right? We got I got some replies from the Mandela Effect episode that people wanted to, wondered why we didn't mention this event as possibly being tied into that. And I had never really put it with that event. I always thought this was something completely different. But realizing the time frame, realizing some of the things that involved with this case, it, I could see where people think that these two are connected. And um, I'm going to say the name of a boat. And that will, and you know, and if you put two and two together, you're going to figure out what we're talking about very quickly uh, if you're up on this stuff. And that is the USS Eldridge. And this would have been in Philadelphia. And if you put those two together, you get the Philadelphia experiment. Okay. Cause I didn't know what you were talking about. Are you familiar with this at all? <laughs> like the Eldritch. And I was like, do not. I thought you were going to say the queen Mary. I'm totally no. off on this episode. I'm honestly right. not on the same way. So you don't know this story then. So no, tell me the story of the Philadelphia right. experiment. So be ready to go on a wild ride. Almost as fun as cocaine bear. Ready? So oh my gosh. Uh, so 1943. Wow. USS Eldridge is situated in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. It's a newly commissioned destroyer, and it's being outfitted with some new devices. They're kind of, you know, experimental, uh, including two top secret generators that were supposedly okay. able to make the ship completely invisible via radar to the enemy. So the magnetic, you know, it would degauss it so that the magnetic mines wouldn't touch it. Radar, would it would be invisible. Now imagine stealth technology in the 1940s. This would game change World War II. At this point, yeah. we're, you know, we're doing what we can, but it's still early days, right? And as the final generators were put into place, the crew readied themselves for the systems test. And there in broad daylight on a summer day in the middle of the shipyard, the generators switched on and this green glow surrounds the ship and then the crew of the neighboring ship sees it vanish completely from sight it is wait, gone wait wait hold on so the engines of the ship i just need to make sure i'm paying attention it's a, it's a generator generator the ship is generators it's on still the sitting ship. in dock and okay. this generator device turns on okay and then the generator device turns on, there's a green glow, and then the ship disappears. Vanishes from sight. Okay, that's 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 awkward. All right. Now, Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia, several hundred miles away. Okay. At this exact moment, suddenly the Eldritch appears in that shipyard. What? And then it disappears again and shows back up in Philadelphia. Okay. The ship teleported? Is this a Star Trek episode? No, this is documented. Crew members aboard the ship report nausea. Some people say insanity, burn marks. Others are reported being completely embedded within the metal structure of the ship having fallen between floors during the time it was missing. There are some stories that it never came back, period. Okay, and so it disappeared. The Look, how are there stories that... Okay. Ah! So Well, the problem with it is there's no documentation of any of this ever happened. Okay, but so people are saying ship generators it's in dock it disappears it reappears somewhere else and then disappears from there and reappears back where it is the crew gets nauseous but it never really happened the, according to reports the 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 uh eldritch was never in philadelphia harbor on that day it was never in norfolk harbor on that day it was actually deployed somewhere in the south seas you know the logbooks all corroborate it you know, what, what the heck is anybody talking about? So this okay. was called the Philadelphia experiment and it is considered one of the greatest either cover-ups or greatest hoaxes of all time. And the, and people were studying it over the years, but it never really got a lot of attraction 
uh, you know, never really, you know, people never really looked into it that much until one guy named Morris K. Jessup, who's an astronomer, and he specializes in UAPs or UFOs at the time. And he got a letter from a guy named Carl Allen, uh, who also went by the name of Carlos Allende. And he claimed to have actually witnessed the secret experiment in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. And he said he was aboard the SS Andrew Furseth in Philadelphia when the Eldridge became invisible and reappeared in Virginia and then came back to Philadelphia. And he declared that the reason it worked is that they were actually working on Einstein's unified field theory and that they proved it with this. In 1943, in a shipyard in Philadelphia, they teleported a ship from one shipyard to another. There was nobody on the ship? Well, no, there was a crew on it. But none of them came forward and talked about it? None of them come forward and talk about it. Now, the story, you know, Jessup starts looking into this guy's claims because this is an amazing story. And you remember, this is pre-internet, pre, you know, television's barely a thing. You know, we're still, you know, you know so this is a story that could be a cover-up. It could be something interesting. Because uh, now it's 1957, he's looking into it, and you know, and then quickly he's like, "All right, there's there's nothing," and it might have ended there. That might have been the end, the nail in the coffin of the Philadelphia experiment. But Jessup suddenly gets contacted by a government agency, the ONR, the Office of Naval Research. This is a brand new organization at this time in 1957. And they're basically the secret service of the Navy. And they tell him they've gotten a copy of one of his books that he had written called The Case for the UFO, in which he detailed basically how he thought UFOs might use propulsion systems and you know how they work. And the book was annotated with notes in three different handwritings. And one of those was supposedly an alien. And they claimed to have advanced understanding of physics and extraterrestrial technology and were correcting him in his book. With handwriting. With handwriting. And it's like they'd have been passed from person to person to person, these three people. And they were, you know, and they had uncommon capitalization. Punctuation was weird. And it seemed like very not native English speakers. Now, Jessup, Yo know, looks at this and realizes some of this handwriting matches this guy Allende's handwriting that had sent him the whole story behind this, right? So obviously he's one of the three, if not all three. And um, now what's weird is the Office of Naval Research publishes 127 copies of these annotated books. And they're called the Vero editions after their publisher, Vero Manufacturing. Okay. Uh, um, so, wait a minute. Because <laughs> you said that's what's weird. But I have to yeah. start off with, first of all, is this awful of Office of Naval whatever a real thing? Yes. That's a real okay. military organization, a very secretive organization, similar to the NSA at the time. You know, our NSA would have been them at the time, but they only dealt with naval things, which is, you know, this is right at the start of the Cold War. You know, uh, we're about to go into stuff with Russia and all this. So suddenly an old experiment that made a ship invisible suddenly, you know, and why are they copying this book about UFOs? Okay, yeah, no. So I was going to go back to this book. So then the book gets three different handwritings with notes about the bo book. It gets sent to the guy who wrote the book, correcting. Did he admit whether or not they corrected anything? No, he just said the notes were, you know, they were correcting the things he had gotten wrong about how UFOs fly and stuff. But none of it really made sense. It was all weird gibberish. And you know, then this government organization then republishes the book yes. 127 copies to circulate amongst scientists and other researchers why would that make any sense exactly what the heck 
Yo, did anybody then, ever find one of these 124 copies? And that's that's the weird thing. There are they're out there. Yes, you can buy the Vero editions. They are quite valuable to collectors and researchers, you know, because they made them. There are other copies available now. There are copies of copies, but those originals are, you know, pretty valuable. And you know, and then of course it kind of disappears again at this point, right? Carlos Salende yeah. was the only person who witnessed it, the only person who ever came forward. And that's it. Jessup's convinced it's all garbage. Then 1988, we fast forward. Okay, the year I moved to Florida. Good. I'm the year glad. you moved to Florida, 1988. Well, and... I have a question. Before we fast forward, is this a good time to take a commercial break for our um, overlords? I believe it is a good time to take a commercial break. So let's 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 go talk to our uh, capitalist uh, friends and you know buy their stuff, gang. Buy their stuff. Buy their stuff. It supports our podcast. We'll be right back. Erie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan Spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Kerry Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncie, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. I work with haunted attractions all over the U.S., Canada, and Europe to increase audiences and enhance their experience with highly effective commercials, narrations, animatronic character voices, whatever your dark heart desires. Let me help you do more, scare more, profit more. Find out more at Voice From Hell on Facebook and at voicefromhell.com. And we're back. We're back, but I just... You've been thrown for a loop by that. I can't believe you didn't I, know I this can't story. even at this point in time. You are going to have to put a link in the show notes to this book. Because now I want to see this book. Oh, the Vero wanna... edition? Yes, yeah. yes. I need to understand... No, I, I don't need to... Yes, I need to understand what in the actual fuck is happening right now. Yeah, like, yeah. The Case it. for UFOs. That's the book, so... Okay. Um... And all right, so now we we have gone, you know, 1950s, and it's fallen behind the wayside, right? We've forgotten all this, except for those weird 127 copies of that book. And Allende was the only guy who had ever seen this. But suddenly, a man named Al Bielik comes forward in 1988. And the reason he comes forward, he says he was on the Eldritch when it disappeared. And that he had been brainwashed to forget it. And the only reason he remembers it was because four years earlier, in 1984, there was a Hollywood movie called The Philadelphia Experiment. And it was based on all these old allegations and these old stories. And it would involve time travel and all this. And he said seeing that movie, which he had seen on a videotape, brought it all back it unlocked his brain and now he has firsthand knowledge of the test and oh. you know it was still pretty much at that point considered a hoax and that all this stuff had never happened and um anyway this guy says no i was on that boat and my brother who i have forgotten was also on that boat and we disappeared 
and reappeared. And when we saw that the electronics were going crazy, you know, we jumped off the ship. We jumped into the water is the only reason they survived him and his brother. But what okay. was beyond this was he woke up and he was in a hospital. He saw bright lights and they were talking to him and they were military. And he was, so he knew he was in a military hospital, had been fished out of the water and his brother was laying next to him, still unconscious. And then he remembered, you know, what, you know, what's going on. And he noticed they were wearing weird watches. And that's when they told him, oh, you're not in, you know, you're in 1988. Not in 1943 no. anymore. And we need you to go back on the boat because the boat has created a wormhole in time. And if you do not go back on the boat and blow up those generators, it will rip apart the entire space-time continuum. So you and your brother have to go back and save us. Well, that sounds like a movie. Exactly, right? And that's not the movie, but that sounds an awful lot like, you know, it could be a movie. It should um, be a movie. So he and his brother do go back on the boat. Uh, they do go back into the field and are traveled back in time and save the day. They blow up the ship's generators, and that's why reality restored itself. And that's why some people were telling me that I needed to bring it up because of our Mandela effect episode. So they went back and they saved the day? By blowing up the equipment, stopping themselves from turning it on in the first place, basically. They they disabled the equipment. So they, so they made it so it never happened. Exactly. Now I, I have so many, so many words. Did yes. the book disappear? The boat did not disappear according no, the to book. This. I want to know if the book disappeared. No, the book is still available. Yes, the book is available. Okay. And you know, these stories are still available. The the interviews with uh Al Bialik and uh the other guys, you know, Carl Allende and all that, they're all still available. You can find them, you know, there's archives of them talking now al bialik said after this after they saved the day they were sent back to the beginning of their lives and that's why they were actually somebody else completely and they were reliving their lives he and his brother as other people but then they waited till the 1980s to tell this story because he'd been brainwashed to forget it uh <laughs> I don't even know what's happening anymore. That's where I'm at on this. Yes. So I need to, I need to redo this. And it, sorry, listeners, if you were paying complete attention and are on this <laughs> wild ride, but I feel like I've taken acid at this point. Right. And, um, so, or a lot of gummies. So <laughs> we, the, the boat, I got to go all the way back. Go the back. boat in 1943 on a dock in the Philadelphia shipyard disappears right and lands in another shipyard for how long four minutes minutes okay then hundreds of miles away back. what hundreds of miles away hundreds of miles away then shows back up in the philadelphia shipyard yep none of the original crew at that time said anything no they were injured they were burned they were melted into the ship i mean this is some crazy stuff but nobody says, hey, we teleported to another shipyard and then came back. Nope, nobody, they don't remember it. Okay, yeah. no memory. Then a gentleman writes a book and talks about this. And that gentleman's book then gets, he gets a notification from somebody who says, I was there and I saw the boat do the thing. And here's a copy of your book back with all these annotated notes and what really happened. Right. And this is how UFOs actually take off. Yes. Okay. And then 124 copies of this book were made with the annotations to give all of these higher-ups a glimpse into how it really works. Right. Then 
nothing happens for decades. It just fades into lost memory. No, nobody talks about it. It goes away. There's no eBay to sell these books. Fades away. Then, but then, in 1988, a gentleman comes forward and says, in 1988, I woke up and people with weird watches i'm assuming these are calculator watches that's what i've decided i'm, I'm assuming mind. digital watches yeah i no, i literally the ones with the little calculator oh, yeah, the little, yeah, can, yeah i remember those i remember those yep i'm adding to this story that's okay i'm thinking <laughs> swatches because 88 i remember the swatch yeah the so they had swatches and a calculator watch and they were wearing <laughs> parachute pants but military parachute pants. mc hammer was the yeah. you know the guy who woke him up yep said to him yeah, you're in 1988, but here's the deal. You and your brother did not get melted into the hull of the ship. So what we're going to need to do is send you back through the time wormhole. And when we send you back through the time wormhole, then we're going to need you to um, go back and right this terrible wrong that has occurred from all of this stuff. So we're going to send you back in time. You're going to write this wrong. And then was the 1988 version with the parachute pants and the calculator watch, the one that had gone back in time or the one that was going back in time? No, he went back in time, he back to the future did it, uh, to, uh, to save the day by blowing up the generator before it ever happened, you know, so that it would stop the paradox and the time wormhole that they had created in 1943 on board the Eldridge. Okay. How is any of this? Okay. So, so this is where it gets. Oh, all right. So we've gotten if crazy. If you say right? a little weird, I'm going to somehow virtually punch you because this is okay. beyond a little weird at this point. Okay. So our next portion of this. Oh my God. There is a man who says he knows what happened. This another is, man. Yes. Another man. This is Edward Dudgeon. And he worked as a Navy electrician and was stationed on a boat near the Eldridge in the summer of 43. And we actually have records of him being stationed there. And he said that, yes, the shipping orders were forged because they were keeping it secret what they were working on. And they were indeed working on a thing there and they were degaussing the ship but it wasn't the eldridge it was the engstrom and the eldridge and he was actually stationed on the engstrom and the degaussing is literally a term for invisibility it makes them immune to the mind the magnetic mines that the the nazis were using and it makes them you know block you know the magnetic torpedoes the german u-boats were using so it made them demagnetize. It created an EMP field around these. And he says the, the greenish glow was uh, the St. Elmo's fire that was created by running this generator with all these weird lines running over the ships. And, and the, that the would create disappear? a weird thing. Did the ship hmm? disappear? He says no. But... Now, here's where it gets crazy, right? No, it's already crazy. No, 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 no. There's so much more. There's so much more. That is not He claims to have also worked on a project in nearby Montauk, which is at the end of Long Island, a secret base there, which is another episode. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about that another time. Uh, But he was working for a project called Project Phoenix, where it was about time travel. And it was trying to use soldiers to time travel and use mental powers to remote view the enemy. And there were all these other crazy experiments they were doing there. And this is a real thing. We know from the Department of OSR and the Office of the Strategic Reserve and the ONR, the the same department that printed 120 copies of the UFO book. And he worked on both those projects. And okay. the guy who had designed the early stages of this degaussing was a man named Nikola Tesla. Okay. So I I actually, the only part of this story at this point that I can buy whatsoever, I'm yep. sorry, is creating something that would make a ship seem, seem, can I underline that? 
bolded, italics, highlighted, right. seem invisible to the minds and things like that. That I can totally get, right? It's kind of like the stealth bomber is not invisible. It's just made in such a way that it cannot right. be detected, right? That I can totally believe. This is I can basically also totally 1940s believe, stealth technology, yes. Yeah, that they were doing something that could create damage if they were experimenting because that's what happens when they experiment, right? Yeah. This whole transporting a boat to somewhere else and then back and then blah, 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 blah. none of that. No, well, not the fun thing them. about Virginia and Philadelphia, you know, where it reappeared so quickly, there are some inland canals that we were keeping secret from the Germans that make that trip instead of this long trip around the Atlantic only a couple hours. So that might explain, you know, some the you know the moving of the boats. Again, these were they were trying to keep it quiet. They didn't want the Nazis to know which boats were decoused and which ones were. We, you know, this is all spy period. This is the time when we have magicians working for the British government and the U.S. government to pretend to make fake armies and to, you know, and, and you know, pretend operations so that, you know, the Nazis don't know where we're going to invade and, you know, and all this other yeah, stuff. No, so. and, and I get that. And I also get, for instance, using the canals and sailing down and trying to see if they can go past mines. Like, all of this is correct experimentation. Right. Right. The fact that people say this thing, dis it's just, it's interesting because like, it, this sounds like a rational thing that happened in experimentation Right. It then got made into some weird poppycock sci-fi movie, but I do still want to <laughs> yes. see this book. So yeah, definitely not a big budget blockbuster. So, uh, well, uh, if we could get Keanu Reeves to star in it with Ryan. Oh, Reynolds, let's do a reboot. Let's do a reboot of Philadelphia experiment. Yeah. yeah he could be one no. of the brothers. The time traveling brothers. I mean, it's exactly. It's, Looper, it's a, this is all the, you know, this is you know, Inception. This is all those fun things, and um, now the fun thing with you know, uh, you know, Dudgeon putting you know forth that you know explanation. There's you know people who are like, no, no, it's it's obviously that this is a real thing, and Tesla had invented this, but Tesla did try to sell thing after thing to the military, but he you know died penniless, and you know it's it's sad. But now we do know what happened to the Eldridge. The Eldridge itself was transferred to Greece and then it was rechristened as the H.S. Leon uh, before it was finally, and it was used you know, during the Cold War for years by the Greek Navy. And uh, then it was decommissioned and it was sold for scrap in the 1990s. So... For a ship that teleported, traveled through time, turned invisible, all this, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of a sad end, right? It's a, yeah. It's a very sad end, but I also don't think that's exactly what happened. So I'm going to go back with, I can see them trying to be invisible from mines. Yeah. And I, again, a lot of this stuff is still classified paperwork, falsified paperwork. It's admittedly falsified paperwork. So that's why conspiracy theories latch onto this. It's that weird, the fact that the Office of Naval Research gave any credibility to those initial scribblings in this one guy, you know, in Jessup's book, you know, that were obviously from the guy that had made all these claims initially that had no backing in reality. This is, it's so weird. And um, yeah, but he could have printed those himself and ran around handing them out. You don't know. Well, no, these were officially commissioned by the government, and we have records of that. Okay, well, maybe so. they were commissioned to go. Here's what not to do. <laughs> here's here's a crazy book that crazy uh, some guy book. scribbled in the margins of. It's very House of Leaves. I'll, I'll give it that. That's my one of my favorite books. So. You know, I, I would not be surprised if the, the author of House of Leaves went, oh, you know, I could do this. <laughs> well, you know, we will have to put the link to this particular book in the show notes. But oh, yes. This, yes, definitely. Mark, Mark I got to hand it to you. So far in our list of episodes, whichever one this is. Yeah, that's nuts. Completely this is, nuts. This is off the chart. So, yes, you can go visit Norfolk Harbor uh, and you can go visit the Philadelphia shipyards. And uh, they do have some ships there available for you to peruse. Sadly, you cannot visit the Eldritch anymore. Um, you can also visit your 
uh, local video store because the Philadelphia experiment, I don't think streaming anywhere. Okay, so did you just say to... video store? What year do you think this is out of curiosity? It's 1988, right? Oh my God, Mark. <laughs> I'm sure you can Not Google my... the Philadelphia experiment and find out where it's streaming and ignore Mark who still seems to want to go find blockbuster i think he's just reminiscing about the glory days oh man come on you know it's yeah and i vaguely remember the movie out to be fair i was gonna watch it before we recorded this but because somebody mentioned it in the mandela effect episode comments i had to i'm just glad I you didn't waste that two hours of your life cause... exactly because I'm, I'm thinking it wasn't very good if i recall you know i don't i don't know i i, I certainly did not leave an impression on me who mr who loves every 80s sci-fi movie so yeah so it didn't waken false memories in me of uh of an alternate timeline where i was in world war ii and saving that's the okay world. it apparently wakened the thought that you thought somebody could go to a video store to get this so i don't <laughs> hey, even want to know what Tiger that video was. in tampa has helped me find more uh, viper video sorry I, I, I jumped ahead a little bit so wow okay i'm gonna tale. i have to end this <laughs> shenanigans where we're at right now <laughs> i need to go back to my cocaine cat story because i really wish i had led with that oh man yeah i mean but that would have just been the start so yeah okay so, go ahead here we go now that i'm bringing it back but not all the way back to when you could go to a video store now we did have a Our starter friends... we had a great listener tale to start this so we I, did I, I, that I think... listener tale was epic yeah right so so I'm so, good with this ending too. So good, good, good. Let me get to it now. Rain it in. It's been all about Mark episode. I'm excited. Paranormality Magazine, one of our favorites and friends. Don't forget, you can always go subscribe. This, this happens to be an article they had um, freebie, but if you subscribe to them and use the code travels, you get a little bit of a discount and you get all the super weird stuff. So here we go. Cause back to calling back our favorite episode, number one because we only have one number one episode, so that's why it's our favorite. Yep. Animal control officials in Ohio may have sniffed out a real-life sequel to Cocaine Bear. What? And this time, it's an exotic serval cat. Yes. So, um, in Hampton County, dog wardens, that's a real job, by the way, dog wardens, um, responded to reports in January of a quote-unquote leopard spotted in a tree in Oakley. So they went to remove the animal um, and to bring it to Cincinnati Animal Care. Upon arrival, they retrieved the animal from the tree, brought it to Cincinnati Animal, and it had suffered a broken leg in the process. Aww. So, listen, dogs and cats aren't the same. you got to be gentle with them. Yeah. A DNA test confirmed the cat, whose name was Amiri, was an exotic breed known as a serval. Um, and apparently these are legal to have as pets. Yeah, they're they're not common. They're not leopards, but I can see how they could be confused as one because they do look. Oh. Let me clarify. In Ohio, they're illegal. Don't run out and get one. But neighboring yeah. states of Kentucky and Indiana, they are legal, right? Yeah. Um, but test determined something unusual about Amiri. Hmm. So the animal tested positive for cocaine. <laughs> they don't know how it got cocaine in its system, but came in all hyped up on coke, <laughs> which might lend itself to how it got its leg broken because it was all jacked up. Was it, and was it recreational or was it determinant at this time? That is a mystery. <laughs> We will have to wait for somebody to come forward in like 30 years to explain it. Um, <laughs> but apparently Mary's at the Cincinnati Zoo and they're oh, taking yay. care of it. But I, I went there um, many times as a kid. The only thing is, is that, you know, I, I don't feel because Mary's able to have survived that it does compete with cocaine bear. So no, yeah, he's still alive. And, and, you know, and obviously, but, you know, it would make a good movie. It, it is a good sequel. So Elizabeth Banks, if you're listening to us, there is your sequel to Cocaine Bear. And this one has a happy ending because what they're using him as a, uh, a cat ambassador program now from the zoo. To so cocaine drug dealers all around the world. Just yeah, kidding. Yeah. I made that part up. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they, they rehabilitated him and, you know, will likely, you know, be out and about. So, um, 
and apparently not, not, was, not uh, out of the zoo. So let's just let's yeah, clarify no, no, that. No. Yeah. They're not letting him free because they're illegal yeah. in Ohio. Although, you know, I know the the owner uh, is 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 currently not charged with anything, but it is an active investigation, according to the, the Huffington Post. Yes. So, well, I like my news article better. I like paranormalities take on it it's amazing so yes once again our friends at paranormality mag go to paranormalitymag.com uh get the articles every day they they post gold uh but also get the magazine get those in-depth articles those wonderful interviews and uh you know and then definitely use the code travels get a discount on them you can get the digital subscriptions like 20 bucks or a little over 20 dollars. so yeah awesome deal. yeah no it's awesome and then you get absolutely weird stuff every single day yeah. and don't forget to send us your weird listener tales if yes oh, oh my, my gosh goodness, if you happen to be part of the philadelphia experiment or know someone yes! who was okay mark calm down seriously <laughs> calm down Please don't send us those stories because I cannot deal with Mark if he gets another story from another person about this experiment. Or if you have a reason why, you know, the Twilight Vampires aren't the strongest, please send me those too. Because I need oh, those for you my You know heart. what? Shut it, Mark. Shut it. <laughs> I need those to heal my, my wounded heart. Oh. So, oh my gosh. Well, gang, thank you so much for going on this journey with us. Once again, this wonderful travel and uh, through, through, through from Turkey Creek, uh, Arizona to Philadelphia experiment. And now to over to Ohio Zoo. where you yeah. cannot have several cats as a pet. Okay. Yes. Yes. But if you live in Kentucky, you can. So, all right. But uh and, uh, you know, anyway, oh my gosh. Well, thank you all for being a part of it. And thank you so much for, you know, Callie, the producer behind the scenes. Thank you so very much as always. And thank you all for your listener tales. Thank you for all the fun, encouraging stuff we keep getting. Share us, like us, subscribe, do all the fun things. Reach out on those socials. Watch for us at appearances coming up. We're going to be doing uh, a live podcast, our first one uh, from an event soon. So you can find that out on the website. Uh, amongst other things. So, you know, please join us if you can. And with that, we'll let Destiny play us out and we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>